Hello there, and welcome to a very late episode of um, Rainbow Tapes. I'm your host, Liam Koji, and um, I wanted to just chat about G-Idol because they just released an English single. It's the first release be- um, from the uh, new partnership between Cube and 88 Rising, and I'm fucking obsessed. Um... So, Giadal debuted in May of 2018 with the song La Tata, um, with uh, leader uh, Chan Soyeon, who had risen to fame on um, the first season of Produce 101, um, just barely missing out on a place in IOI. Although, I'm 90% sure she probably would have ended up in that... Um, final lineup if it wasn't for producer interference but that's a different story um but was immediately obsessed she produces writes and produces everything that they do um all their songs except for this latest um english track which is very off-brand for them um and you can hear it i'm obsessed because it's like kind of weird but um no, so they debuted with La Tata, and at the time they became the fastest girl group to they became the girl group with the um shortest time between debut and their first uh music show in in Korea. Um and that was like a moment. I remember seeing the debut and not thinking much about it. Um it's now become like one of my favorite songs. Like about a month after it was released, all of a sudden I was like obsessed with it. Um and then the moment I knew that they were, like, a thing was during that summer. They had, like, a special performance. At, I want to say it was, like, NBC's um, whatever music show airs on NBC. I don't remember. Um, and they performed E. Hyori's, uh You Go Girl. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, these girls are, like, monsters. And then they came back with Han. Um, and I really liked that song. It was good. It wasn't, to me, as good as La Tata. Um, it also felt rushed, and it was around the time that the Hyuna and Edon scandal hit. And so it very much felt like Damage Control by Cube. Um... Especially because getting rid of Hyuna, like, Giedel was really their main breadwinner. Um, and then they came back with Senorita. Okay. <laughs> Senorita was a hot fucking mess. Um, there's a lot of criticism of the cultural appropriation. Um, and also, according to Soyeon, it's the only song that they've ever released that she didn't have to, like, convince Cube to, um, to have confidence in. And, um, that really explains a lot of the problems going on at Cube right now. (laughs) I mean, even beyond, like, the controversies, it really is their weakest song. It's their weakest song, it's the weakest choreography, the video is weird, like, none of it makes sense. 
Um, and honestly, like, it really hurt them. Um, Latata did quite well. I think it charted at, like, 18 in Korea. Han charted in the top 10. And then you have Senorita not make the top 10, and then all of a sudden it feels like a downward spiral from there for a minute. Um, following Senorita... I feel like they took a bit of a break. I'm going off the cuff here because I just wanted to talk about this. Um, and also the main stuff that I want to talk about comes later. Um, but then they released a digital single called um, Uh-Oh a few months later, which was like a completely different moment for them. But also, like, another one of those moments where, like, I was like, oh, my God, these girls are monsters. Um, there was one stage, and it was... Okay, so, backtrack. I'm not, like, a super huge fan of the song. Um, I think it's a good song, but, like, I'm not living for it. But there was one stage, and... The choreography was insane. They were insanely synchronized. Everything was just like perfect. Their stage presence, everything. It was wild. And then I got a little bit angry that I felt like Cube was sort of wasting their potential as a group. Um, but that did really well online with like the public. It didn't chart super well. That's their lowest charting song to date. Um... It charted at 31. And then, um, following that, they went on Queendom, which, if you're unfamiliar, Queendom was a variety show in Korea, and it was established K-pop girl groups competing against each other. I'm still unclear as to what the prize was. <laughs> I think they got, like, a televised special on Mnet for their next comeback, and I don't think it did anybody any good. Um, but all the groups from that show actually ended up doing really well afterwards. And Gieto came out of the gate swinging. I remember, like, the first performance they did of La Tata, starting with Mini, like, chanting in Thai. Like, I think about that performance daily. It was perfect. And also their performance, um, their second performance when they covered like where they were paired up and they covered each other's songs and they covered um they got paired with Puckbom and covered uh Fire by Twenty One. Oh my god. It's it's another performance I think of like every day, especially Sujin's little uh teeth look. Um that was gold. It was so good. There was some controversy there because of a more cultural appropriation. Um, which, like, I understand if you're going to be a global, like, a global group like that. Like, you need to be more aware of what you're doing. But I think that Westerners do have a bit of a habit of, like, holding other countries to their own, like, moral standards. And I'm not... It's fair to be upset about things like that. I don't know if it's necessarily fair to hold them accountable because it's not...
it's not something that like they're super surrounded by in their media and like their culture but it's not a conversation that they're having is it a conversation they should be having probably especially in korea as it becomes like a global a global superpower um but if it's an innocent mistake and they apologize for it just sort of if they make the same mistake again that's when you hold them accountable um but uh and they did really well on queendom i i can't help but think that there was some producer interference on queendom either that or mamamoo just won based on their fame alone because they were sort of the biggest group going into it at least at the time aoa is legendary but i mean giado was going into it at a low point and their um final single lion that um that uh was released so like the final cha- the final challenge of that show was um releasing an original song and like how it charted and how it did on like um streaming platforms was taken into account with for the winner lion charted higher than any other group's song um it's not my favorite if we're going to be honest um but it is i mean they did well it was like a sort of turning point in their career again and then their immediate follow-up after that called oh my god did pretty well it charted at 15 in korea um and was like really big on social media i remember a lot of conversations especially because of the pronouns that they were using um they were uh same-sex pronouns which was sort of big for uh especially coming from korea just because of cultural attitudes towards homosexuality there which i mean i can't really talk as an american given the hellhole that we live in currently but um that was like sort of a big moment um and sort of affirming because uh k-pop has a lot of queer fans so that was actually really nice but i didn't love the song but then that summer 2020 they released dumdy dumdy which is which remains one of my favorite songs if we're going to be honest it's totally off brand for them they soyeon has like said she doesn't like writing songs like this but like there was demand for it from the fans um and that was like their true comeback moment. That was their first top 10 since 2018, since their second single. And it had like some staying power. It did really fucking well. And then they came back six months later with uh, Hua with two A's, which is sort of like a winter version of Han, which is spelled with two N's. So I don't know. I really don't get it. But. Hua is, like, again, like, one of my favorite songs. And, like, it did really well. Charted at number four, which is their highest charting single at this point. Um, And it is one of the most gorgeous pop songs ever recorded. Like, I'm not even exaggerating here. Um, It's just, like, everything is perfect. The composition, the flow, Soyeon's rap, the... Fucking Minnie's fucking high note during the bridge lives in my mind rent fucking free. Like it is something that I I mean I like attempt to recreate it unsuccessfully, but I try. Um It's so good. And like Minnie's voice So like okay, actually 
one of the things that really works about Giadol for me is um, how many different tones there are in the group. They don't, on paper, it shouldn't really work. But I mean, between Yuki's um, super deep, like, um, husky voice, Soya and adopting um, Hyuna and Ellie's sort of, like, head voice rap, um, and Minnie's, like, very high, clear tone, and then Mian having, like, the more traditional, powerful voice. Everything sort of works, and you're able to work with all those different levels, and I mean... We'll get to nude in a bit, but like one of the places that it really like there's a transition during the first verse from Minnie to Uki, who are like opposite ends of the range in that group. It is like one of the most impactful moments I've ever heard in a song that like drop that like deep drop just i remember hearing it for the first time being like oh shit <laughs> um but hua did really well for them one of my favorite songs um and then scandal hit um in 2021 there was like a spate of like bullying scandals in k-pop um which i don't really understand the whole i don't i i don't get it because like for us, like, we're not really going to hold adults accountable for their actions as children. That feels weird to me. But in Korea, if somebody claims that you bullied them in high school or middle school, that's like a career-ending allegation. Um, so Sujin was accused of bullying somebody in school. And they were about to release... Um, a uh, promotional single for some music platform um, called Last Dance. And uh, literally like a week or two before that was meant to drop, the scandal happened. And they cut her out. They cut Sujin out of the video and they didn't re-record it but because it was already, it was too late. But um, it was wild and they went on hiatus for a year and, kicked Sujin out of the group it was like a whole thing and like it's really interesting because they're very open about their negative feelings towards cube over this <laughs> um which is also sort of wild to me just openly speaking negatively about their um openly speaking negatively about their um agency also at one point, I could have sworn they had signed with Republic for promotion in the United States. And I think after that scandal, they dropped them. And, like, Cube fully mishandled the sca scandal. It was... She was proven innocent, and it just sort of, like, ruined this girl's career. It made the other girls really fucking angry. Um, and, like... It was the latest in a long string of, like, Cube Entertainment's misdeeds. Um, starting with um, the unceremonious uh, disbandment of 4Minute, their main breadwinner. Around the time that they debuted, they kicked Tiana, who was still their main breadwinner. 
out of the company over a dating scandal, which is fucking ridiculous. Um, and then this happened. It was sort of, it was a mess. And they were also, it, there's something to get into at another time. But, um, so yeah, they went on like a year long hiatus because Hua was released in February, January of 2021. And, um, their next comeback was not until March of 2022. So they went on over a year long hiatus. Um, Soyeon released some solo music. Yuki promoted in China. Um, released a couple of songs there. Uh, Mini went back to Thailand to promote. Um, Mia did some like solo activities, primarily with like variety shows and music shows. Um, and they hid Shuan in a basement. And, like, honestly, like, that very easily could have been, like, the end of them. Like, they could have very easily, like, faded into obscurity here. And, um... Turns out, uh... They were not about to let that happen. So, in March of 2022, they released Tomboy. And... When I say cultural reset... Oh... My God, they came back with this like punk rock um, sort of inspired sound, which was completely unexpected because they had mean primarily been sort of urban influence and sort of there's a bit of an elegance to their concept. Um, and this was like, no. And they came back as angry feminists, um, which again is like sort of a no go in Korea. Um Feminism is not viewed super positively amongst uh, Korean Korean fans. Um, and they also, like, cursed and talked about drinking and smoking. And so- it was wild. And it was about, like, not being your sort of object of affection. Um, very ap- empowering. Very, like, fuck all of you. Very that energy. Um... And this is when I became a fan fan of Jettle. I was always like a fan, like I would sort of look forward to their comebacks, but like they weren't like Blackpink or Red Velvet where I was like eagerly awaiting them or twice. Um, but starting here, I have eagerly awaited all of their comebacks because it just, the I mean, and then to their next, uh, to their next, um, comeback, Nude, that was another, like, oh my god. A completely different sound. Um, it samples Carmen, um, and it, uh, is sort of a commentary on, um, sort of a commentary on, like, sexualization of, of women, which was incredible it's so good and um this is a song that i talked about like going from mini to uki's voice in the first verse where like it just drops into uki's like husky ass voice and it is like one of the most perfect music moments ever um and then this is also like really smart this is at this point now soyeon has like 
basically walked up to cubes stomped on their neck spit in their face and said i'm in charge now um and so jiado um or in korean they're referred to as um Aiju, but they have um but their full name is technically yoja Aiju, but they don't the yoja is silent i don't get it it's weird anyway um but their name means like young girls and um the reason that they titled nude the reason they wrote out sorry excuse me the reason they wrote out nude as nxde is because um when men are looking for kitty porn they uh that they would type in uh yoja nude with like an x instead of the u to sort of evade uh censorship um and so now when they <laughs> search that it's this g idol song which i love um and like this was also really like a big fuck you to cube um because the video is heavily inspired by Mar- by marilyn monroe and sujin had has always sort of claimed Marilyn Monroe as a bit of an idol for her. And um, throughout the video, there's a little cartoon blonde woman with a mole right where Sujin's mole is, um, sort of evoking her idol. It was very clear that they were making a reference to Sujin um, and sort of honoring her in that way. Um, Because honestly, I do feel like once their contracts inspire, expire with Cube, they're not resigning. But I think that they're very... It feels like they're intent on maintaining their team. And I feel like they're going to end up signing with a new agency and bringing Sujin back into the fold now that she's sort of been exonerated. Um, and Sujin has also already started to... Um, she's made an Instagram again, and their contracts are up in a year or two. So it feels like a good time for Sujin to start making like making herself public again, if that's what's going to happen. But um, that was also a really nice aspect of the video. It sort of honored her and like maintained her as part of the team. Um, and then they also ended up um, servicing Nude to American Radio, where it was able to chart in the top 40 for um on the mainstream on the billboard mainstream chart um which is they're one of the first groups to achieve that and they this is without any sort of like american label or anything they just sort of released it they just sort of serviced it to radio and it just sort of happened and i remember seeing a couple of radio hosts that i follow on twitter like tweeting about it as well like it actually started to make some impact which like also makes me happy like now that they're signed with 88 rising um and starting to release english music again um i'm kind of excited to i'm i'm excited for them to break through honestly i really love this group um but yeah and like this was probably like one of like this was the moment that sort of cemented them in like the top tier of korean of korean girl groups um because, like, Tomboy did well, tried at number one, was a moment. Um, but it could have been, like, a flash in the pan. 
Um, and honestly, I think if they had gone with like the same sort of sound for their next uh, comeback, it probably would have been a flash on the pan. But coming back with a completely different sound, but still being on brand with their like whole angry feminist vibe. Uh, <laughs> um, I think it really did help cement them as like sort of at the top of this generation of K-pop, which I don't know. I want to say their fourth generation. I don't know. The whole generation thing is getting old. It's sort of stupid. Um, and really, they don't have many, like, actual cohorts at this point, if we're going to be honest. Um, so, I don't know. Anyway. Um, and then they came back with their latest comeback. It was a mini album called, uh, it was a mini album called I Feel, and they started off with a pre-release, which all of a sudden we're all doing pre-releases now, thanks to, I want to say probably New Jeans started that trend, because when they released Attention last year, and it just sort of like, took the world by storm, um, I think all the other agencies took note. Also, they keep producing these, like, mini-albums with, like, six or seven songs and only promoting one. And it's like, let's, let's do more promotions. Let's let's release more music. More music never hurt anyone. Um, And so they had a pre-release called, um, I want to say it's called Allergy. And it's about, like, um, it's about a... Uh, insecurities and wanting to change yourself to fit the mold um and it ends with uh soyeon being wheeled in for plastic surgery and then it led into the title track for this album um queen card which was all about empowerment and feeling sexy and feeling free and like feeling supported by others and maintaining your relationships with other women over men and this whole thing and you're beautiful you're hot like you know which, again, is, like, the whole, like, it's feminist, but it's not angry feminist. It's a perfect summer feminist song. <laughs> um, at least I find myself funny. Um, but it is, like, it still maintains that sort of, like, deep feminism of their brand that they've created since coming back following the Sujin scandal. Um, and honestly, like, this is one of my favorite songs of the summer um very y2k very well, i mean even the video has references to a few movies um the one that gets me is the, the, the random white chicks reference with the dance battle in the club i i'm not sure that's what i would have chosen but like it worked <laughs> It's so random, but I love it. And then also their stage outfits have been insane. <laughs> They've been completely unhinged. It's like the worst of like 2005 style. It's awful, but also incredible at the same time. <laughs> um, it, It's yeah, it's wild. Um, but it's so much fun and it's so stupid. It's so dumb. 
it's so just like unhinged and like that's my favorite i don't like music that takes itself too seriously um especially like pop music i like pop music that embraces the fact that it's pop and you know like you can have something gorgeous like hua but i mean still it's like an unapologetic hook um and you know it's about love whatever but like i love a good just sort of like silly pop song with a message um and just sort of like not taking itself too seriously it's it's just so much fun and like life's too serious as it is sometimes you need a little bit of a respite um uh but um it's it's great and then last week or this week this week um they released a song called I Do. It is their first original English track. Um, the first release from this new collaboration between Cube and 88 Rising. Um, and also their first single to not be written by uh, Soyeon. It's a bunch of um, Western pop writers. None of whom I recognize. But I'll have to take a closer look at it. Um, and honestly, the first time I listened to it and watched the video, I was like, what the fuck is, what the fuck is this? I can't do this. Um, but on second listen, cause I obviously added it to my library regardless because it's G idol and I love G idol, but I was like, I'm not exactly sure how to feel about this. Um, but now, I think it's great. I think the video threw me. The video is a little strange. Also, G Idol has never released a bad music video other than Senorita. Like I said, Senorita did not work on any level whatsoever. It was bad. Um, song was bad. Choreography was bad. Video was bad. All it was all bad. Um, and then this video was also not great. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I just couldn't get I think it was because it was like so simple it felt very much like a western music video from like 2006 during that like weird lull between MTV and YouTube where we didn't care, care about music videos um, and there were aliens and they kept like switching bodies it was a whole thing it was weird um, although now watching it back subsequently I'm obsessed because again it's kind of dumb and I love that. There, so side note, there are people who think that I have like bad taste in music because I embrace st stupidity like that. I'm aware of the some of the things that I like are objectively bad. But just because something is objectively bad doesn't make it not enjoyable. You know? It's like what I always say with like food and coffee like you can tell when somebody has a palate and when somebody is pretentious because somebody with a palate will be able to identify when something is objectively bad but will not judge it based off of that if they enjoy it somebody who's pretentious can't tell the difference and so they won't eat things that other people have told them are objectively bad um because they want to look like they have a palate 
and I, it's the it's like a similar thing in music. It's like, you know, I can objectively tell you that a lot of the music I listen to is bad. Not gonna lie, but it's still enjoyable. It's still a fun time. It can be a cheesy, hot, reductive mess, but if it's giving me life, it's giving me life. Um, and I will not apologize for that. Um, but we, uh, no, um, but the song is like really good. I'm excited. It's a pre-release for their, like, I guess their first like English mini album or something. I saw it described somewhere as a pre-release. I don't know. And I think it, um, and I think it's from an EP called Heat. So I'm interested to see what the rest of the album looks like. Okay. So it's being released in September. Five tracks. Um, I do wonder if, uh, I do wonder if they, uh, if the title track will be written by Soyeon in any capacity. Because, like, it's a good song. It doesn't super feel like them because it wasn't written by Soyeon. Or, you know, in the past, like, they've had, like, a pre-release written by Mini, and they have had songs written by, like, Mini and Yuki, and, you know, those still feel like Idol but this feels very different. Love it. Very different. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to sort of like record this like on a whim. It's literally 1140 on a Sunday night. Um, but no one will listen. None of my friends will listen to me. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, kind of, I don't want to bother with, bother my friends with this because like most of them don't love K-pop. Um, and it's sort of like a nodding and a huh. And some of them will find it interesting, but it's still sort of like talking on deaf ears if we're going to be honest. Um, but they have such a strange career trajectory that I'm like, okay, why not? Um, and I think this is where I'm going with this podcast as well. I'm done taking myself super seriously. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for some more random ass artist, <laughs> artists and album deep dives. Um, thank you for listening. Um, bye. <laughs>